0: Let us practice.
1: Of our repentant prayer ascend before you, O Lord, and let your loving kindness descend on us, that with purified minds we may sing your praises with the church on and the whole heavenly house, and may glorify you forever. You may be seated today. Reading from Luke chapter 22. And he came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, Pray, that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, Remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. O <coughs> oh Lord, have mercy on us. Be to God. In many and various ways, God spoke to his people of old by the prophets.
0: But now in these last days, he is spoken to us by
1: his son. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I am afraid of heights. Well, let's be specific here. I am afraid of falling. I can stand on a 30-story building, one that I know has been engineered not to collapse out from under me, and that's fine. But when I'm sitting at the top of a 10- or 20-foot tall waterslide, And looking at the ground below me and thinking, I'm about to throw myself off toward that ground, well, there's something in me that rebels against that. Sitting at that top of that water slide, I get a gut-wrenching feeling of dread. And you can probably relate to that feeling. It might not be heights, heights. It could be something like snakes or spiders or tight spaces or elevators or something along those lines. But that feeling of dread also comes up in a lot of other situations, too. It might be something like a presentation or a big project that you have coming up for work or for school. But it also comes up in much more serious times. Maybe it's in getting test results from the doctor that... You're not quite sure you want to know the answer. Or maybe it's anticipating the funeral of a close family member or friend. It's when you know you have to do something that you don't want to do, but you have to do it anyway. The fear kind of takes over. It, your heart rate goes up, your pupils dilate, your hands start to get sweaty. The feeling sits somewhere around your gut. It's not in your head or in your heart. There's no thinking your way out of this sense of dread. And that's because you, as a human being, don't want to suffer. And that is a good and natural response to suffering. But the anticipation of suffering sets off that feeling of dread. Now, Jesus is no stranger to anticipation. He and the disciples have finished the Last Supper, and now he goes out into the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. Jesus knows what's coming next. He knows that Judas is probably right now meeting with the Pharisees, arranging to bring them to arrest him. In Gethsemane, it is the calm before the storm. Jesus is about to go to Calvary. He goes to Calvary to fight, and make no mistake, he goes to Calvary to win. He will deal the final blow to sin, death, and the power of the devil. Victory will be won on that Good Friday. But so will suffering. Jesus will suffer on that Good Friday. He will be stripped, he will be scourged, and he will be crucified. His arms will be spread out and nailed to the cross until he suffocates. And all this pain and suffering is in service to God. It's in service to the ultimate victory that he wins. He's going to deal the death blow to death itself. But Jesus doesn't want to suffer, Jesus has that feeling of dread in the pit of his stomach. Last week we spent a lot of time talking about how Jesus is fully God, but this week we see very clearly how he is fully man, because Jesus, in the Garden of Gethsemane, feels dread feeling in his gut that he doesn't want to suffer. He doesn't want to die. He doesn't want to have all of his friends abandon him. He doesn't want Judas to come and betray him. As God, Jesus knows exactly what's coming. But as full man, too, he doesn't want to have to go through it. Jesus can look down at his hands, and he knows exactly where those nails will pierce his skin. And he dreads every ounce of suffering that's coming to him. So what does Jesus do? He gets down on his knees, and he prays. He takes his dread to his Heavenly Father, and asks, begs God, that the cup of his wrath would be taken away from him, that if there's any other way for salvation to be won, one that isn't maybe quite so painful, one that isn't going to leave Jesus' body a mess of scars, any other way that isn't nearly so dreadful, Jesus would much rather God take that course. But Jesus is not just full of dread on this Thursday evening he is also full of faith. Jesus is perfect. And as part of that perfection, he is perfectly obedient to the will of his Father. And so that's why Jesus says, not my will, but thine be done. Jesus doesn't want to suffer. But he will obey his Father's will. What is this will of God? Well, in our text, God doesn't answer Jesus with a voice out of the cloud. God doesn't come down to take the cup of his wrath away from his Son. God's will, plain and simple, was for Jesus to suffer. Now, this prayer of Jesus teaches us two main things about our prayers. The first thing is that it's okay to bring your grief to God. It's okay to ask him to take your suffering away. It's okay to scream at the heavens and ask God why this has come to you. Jesus did it. And last time I checked, Jesus was perfect He did not sin when he asked God to take the cup of his wrath away. And so neither do you sin when you go to God and ask that he would take your pain and your suffering, your thorn in the flesh, away. That's what prayer is for. It's for those true and honest feelings. But there's a second truth in Jesus' Gethsemane prayer that's much harder to hear. You can certainly ask that God would take your pain and your suffering away. But his answer might be no. It's hard to hear, but God's will genuinely might be for you to suffer. So certainly ask God to take your pain away. But also, it is important to pray with Jesus, Not my will, but thine be done. God may not take your suffering away when you ask him to, but he will give you the strength to bear it. Because that's what God did for Jesus. God strengthened him so that he could face what was to come. and God will do the same for you. That's not to say he's going to make your suffering easy to bear, because just look at Jesus. The burden of our sin was not easy for him to bear. After he finishes praying, the text tells us that his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Jesus is in agony, and there is a worse agony that is yet to come. The cross is not an easy thing to bear. The burden of sin is not an easy thing to carry, even for Jesus. And Jesus is fully God as well as fully man. So if Jesus finds it hard to carry the burden of sin, how much harder is it for you to carry the burden of your own sin, when you are only human? It shouldn't be a surprise that you can't bear your suffering alone. And in this way, suffering is actually a gift, because it reminds you of the fact that you can't carry your own sin. You can't stand on your own. Suffering reminds you of your weakness. But God's power is made perfect in weakness. So when your suffering shoves your weakness into your face, it shows you, it forces you to realize that you need help. You can't do it alone. And dear Christian. You aren't alone. You aren't alone in your pain. You aren't alone in the dark pit of despair. You aren't alone when you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. Right there, in the middle of your pain and sorrow and darkness, is Jesus. Right by your side. Jesus, who loves you, who gave his very life for you. In the midst of your suffering, your loving Lord is with you on the cross, and he understands you. Jesus, remember, is fully man. He understands your pain. He understands your grief and your sorrow. All of the sufferings that you've experienced in this life He understands them because he's been through them. And because he's been through them, he will be there with you in the midst of them. Jesus knows that you need him. And so in walking to Calvary, Jesus submitted to God's will. He submitted himself to the evil of Judas, the Pharisees, and the Romans. And that's because Jesus knew that God's will is always good. God's will is always right. Scripture tells us that God works all things for the good of those who love him. Even if that good can be very difficult to see. You might not see that good for a very long time. You might not see the light at the end of the tunnel. Right now, maybe your world is just darkness, bleak and full of pain. Pain has a way of blinding you to the fact that one day it will end. And I can promise you, better days will come. The darkness will not last forever. God will work it for your good. But God's timeline is eternal. And so the good that he has in mind is your eternal good. So maybe your suffering will last for your entire life. But it won't last forever. Because through the sufferings and death of Jesus, God has prepared a place for you, a place that is free of sorrow and pain. There, your suffering will be at an end, and you will meet Jesus face to face, and you will see the evidence of his love for you in his hands, his feet, and his side at last you will join in that heavenly feast that he won for you. And all the suffering that you experienced in this life, well, that's all temporary. Heavenly joy, on the other hand, is eternal. And everlasting to everlasting, your joy in heaven will have no end. Amen. And may the peace of may the peace that passes human understanding guard and keep your hearts and minds steadfast in the one true faith until our Lord returns in glory. Amen.
2: last class.